Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The Ohio Supreme Court was established with our state's constitution in 1802 with three justices who traveled across Ohio on horseback to hear cases assigned to them. Today, the panel known as the Court of Last Resort includes six justices and a chief justice who take up cases in the state's capital. How does the Supreme Court work? How do we choose our justices? And what's the court's role in agriculture? We cover all that and more this week. From the Ohio Farm Bureau studio, this is our Ohio Weekly, highlighting those who grow our food, fiber, and fuel while examining issues that are important for farmers and their neighbors throughout the Buckeye State. Our Ohio Weekly is supported by Nationwide. Nationwide is on your side. Here's our Ohio Weekly host, Ty Higgins. At Ohio Farm Bureau, we keep our eyes on many things that may impact our members and their way of life. Most of the time, that would be proposed legislation or regulation, but we also keep tabs on litigation at the local, state, and federal levels. At Farm Bureau's recent Ag Day at the Capitol, nearly 350 members traveled to Columbus to visit with lawmakers and were invited to a special panel to hear from some very important people, including Supreme Court Justices Pat DeWine and Patrick Kennedy, for an inside look at the workings of the highest court in Ohio. I asked the justices, since they have pretty important jobs now, what was their first job and how did it mold them into what they do today? Here's Justice Fisher. I, I was a uh, janitor. and. One thing you learn, two things. One, show up on time, which is what my dad said, 90% of it's showing up on time. And the second was, don't mix the dirty water with the clean water. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, actually, uh, it was working for my grandfather. Uh, he owned, actually owned a seed company. There may be a few people who still remember uh, DeWine Seed Company, but I, I would work for him, I would work there. Uh, I'd work at the seed company, sometimes we'd load trucks, we'd do, put tags on bags, sew tags on bags, whatever, whatever needed to be done. And he also uh, owned, owned a couple smaller farms, and so I, I would work, when I was at the seed company, I'd work uh, at the farm, so I did things. I, I imagine uh, a lot of people in this room did. I you know, bailed hay, uh, did uh, cleaned out barns, did, did uh, uh, those, those kinds of things as, as well. And Leah's so young, I don't, I'm not going to ask her, Ohio Farm Bureau is her first job. That's... So, Justice Fisher, how does your background inform you as a judge uh, in your position? What I mean by that is how you operate uh, and your judicial philosophy. Well, I, I was a trial attorney representing big and mostly small companies for almost three decades. And the one thing I learned is businesses, including farms, can adapt as long as they know what the law is. They might not like a law, but they'll figure out a way around it. And that what I saw as a young, younger lawyer was the gang of four at the Ohio Supreme Court in the 90s would go like this. In one case, go 180 degrees the next. I had one client call me up, want me to talk to him 
And three weeks later, when I finally got to meet with them, the court had gone 180 degrees the opposite way. They said, well, what should we do? I said, well, first of all, you should have called me before. Uh, you should have hired me earlier. But uh, I think looking at the law, whether it's the Constitution, a statute, or a contract, and enforcing the contract, the statute, or the Constitution as written, not making me legislator from the bench, makes for a better world, both individually and for every business here, because you know what your rights and obligations are. And if people just, some people believe in a so-called living constitution, well, if that's what it is, it's whatever the judge feels like who's sitting in that chair, and that's when you get this. And that's when you lose businesses, and that's when you lose young people moving out of the state. And I, I, I believe the opposite. I believe in the text. And, and I learned that early on as a lawyer because I saw businesses having a very difficult time, especially farms and small businesses, when the court would go like this. Justice DeWine? You know, my, my just philosophy is probably not that different than Justice Fisher's. I, you know, I believe the role of a judge is to apply the laws as written. It's not to go out and make law, it's not to say what do I think the law should be, but it's to take whatever's in front of us, whether it's a statute, whether it's a contract, or whether it's the Constitution, and apply the plain meaning of that document, apply the meaning as it was originally understood by the people who drafted it. Uh, and, I, and I think if we do that, what we do is we create certainty. So people know what the rules are so that they can go out, they can invest, they can make decisions. Uh, they can do things that make this a better, more prosperous state. And it, if you don't know what the rules are, then you don't do those things. I mean, one of the reasons uh, that's so hard to do business in third world countries are because they don't have legal systems that have a clear rule of law so people know what the rules are, that protect property rights. Uh, very important, obviously. Uh, so people don't want to invest in new business. So, so I think a big part of uh, you know my philosophy is centered on that idea that we ought to we ought to apply predictability and certainty. Uh, how's my background? How's that come from my background? I think a number of ways. You know, you know growing up, uh, I grew up in a small town. Grew up in Cedarville, Ohio, uh, and I think those were kind of the values that people uh, had where I, where I grew up. Uh, but also, you know, I thought a lot about it. I, I remember, uh, for me, actually, it's kind of a, uh, maybe a little nerdy experience, but when I was uh, in high school, I, I, I picked up the book, uh, some of you may remember the Robert, President Reagan's nomination of Robert Bork, that, which who didn't make it on the Supreme Court. It was kind of the first time that there had been a group that really kind of went after someone. And, and, but because he was too conservative. I, but I, I, I read Robert Bork's book after The Tempting of America, and he outlined kind of why he thought the original understanding of the Constitution made sense for judges, that that was the only way that we had judges who would actually apply the law and not out there making the law. And that, that resonated to me, and it's kind of really informed by philosophy, like been the roots of my philosophy to this day. Leah, it seems like every day there's a new topic of conversation when it comes to litigation and, and the courts across Ohio, whether it be Supreme Court or on down the line. How do we at Farm Bureau keep an eye on what's going on? 
So we spend a lot of time at Farm Bureau monitoring cases. Um, we probably have a list of 30 different cases across the country in the state that we follow all the time. And we're, you know, we are trying to keep track of what are those rulings, what do they mean for people. And I love what you're both saying because you know, I became a lawyer because I wanted to be able to talk to my grandma about what the law was. I wanted my, you know, my grandma who, um, you know, had to drop out of high school in the depression and, and got her GED, I wanted her to understand it. That's what I hope I can do for, for all of our members and what all of us on our team hope to do. Um, so, but then we also at Farm Bureau, we get involved in litigation. Uh, we often get involved as what's called an amicus curiae. We lawyers love our Latin words, but that means a friend of the court. And we try to take that opportunity to give the court a broader understanding of how laws and disputes and contracts are affecting us in our industry. Uh, and, and you know how we think that case should be decided and why we think it should be decided that way. And we've had a very good run of, of the cases we've gotten involved with and I think we've been able to positively affect how those cases have come out. As you know, this room is filled with farmers, uh, those that have interest in agriculture and agribusiness. So how do you see the court's role in agriculture as a whole? And Justice DeWine, we'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think our role is that different in agriculture than anything else, but I think that you know the things that uh, people in the agriculture industry uh, sh should care about from a court are one, uh, protecting property rights. You know, I I'm someone who believes strongly that our Constitution guarantees property rights and its judiciary's role those rights. Uh, second, you know, is as I mentioned before, I think you want certainty in the law. You don't want you don't want judges to make the law. You've got you've got legislators that make the law. You have you can go lobby them. You can talk to them. Judges shouldn't be making the law. Judges should should be applying the law as it's written. Uh, you know, and all at the same same token, you know, I'm always I'm very I write a lot about and I've written some articles in like the Yale Law Journal. Uh, uh, but about something called administrative deference, which is a very, it's kind of complicated legal term, but what it's really about is who's going to make decisions, whether, we're going, whether bureaucrats are going to make decisions or whether the people who are elected and judges are going to make the decisions that affect your life. And my judicial philosophy is that, you know, we shouldn't turn. We shouldn't turn that. The court shouldn't allow that authority, uh, these regu regulatory authority, be turned over to unelected bureaucrats. Essentially, Justice Fisher. I, I everything ditto. I want to add one thing. I'm, I'm also licensed in Texas, so I have a very keen interest in oil and gas, and that affects your all property rights, especially on the east side of the state. And I think it's important to realize that at the turn of the century, the 19, 1890s to 1900, how many cases there are out there. Ohio was one of the leading oil and gas decision cases, and then there's nothing for a long time. And then the Dormant Minerals Act, et cetera, came up. Uh, but that also riparian rights, I had to learn in Texas, because water is a big deal. Now, we don't fight over water as much in Ohio, but the day could come when it could be. So these cases about oil, gas, and water are very important. It's not just the dirt. It's 
not just the soil, but property rights are bigger than that. And we both have very similar, that people need to know what their rights and obligations are and to be clear about it. And thus, you know, a lot of people bring us cases and we have to apply the law to the facts as given. And sometimes you're not gonna like the result. But to get that certainty, get that specificity for long-term part of the long-term interests of the state is very, very important. I don't know a lot about law. Uh, they don't teach that in communication school very often, so I don't have much of a background. That's why we're so lucky, all of us, to have Leah Curtis on staff. And uh, one of the first terms that I didn't know what I was talking about and went to her was uh, amicus briefs, and, and we do that quite a bit at Farm Bureau. And, and Leah, I want to just kind of have you set the stage and, and tell us what that is and how we utilize that with the courts on all levels. Sure. So, um, as I mentioned before, amicus curiae is friend of the court. Again, we love our Latin. Um, and it is a way for a person who's not a party to the case to provide another perspective or a different viewpoint on what's happening. So the parties in the case, they're going to argue about the legal arguments. That, that's where they're going to focus on. And an amicus may provide legal arguments as well, but they're also going to provide more kind of practical, environmental, uh, you know, things that are going on outside of just the law so that the justices have kind of a broader sense of how this impacts different people. And that's what we do. We try to, in our briefs, talk about how does this affect agriculture specifically. Um, and sometimes, you know, we all, we've all seen it happen where a law might sound good Though, you know, when you hear about it, but then when you go to actually do whatever it says, it doesn't work out, right? Like, I, I, can't, I can't get the form that I need or whatever. So we try to make sure that those practical aspects are also part of it. A really good example is CAUV, right? We all, we all know about CAUV. There was a case a few years ago at the court, and we wanted to make sure that the court knew all that we knew about CAUV. Obviously, we're one of the experts uh, on that program, our organization is. And so we probably, probably our longest brief we've ever submitted, um, but we went through from the start of the tax department all the way to the county auditor and how it works to make sure that that full process was explained before they got to the legal arguments as well. That's Leah Curtis, Policy Counsel for Ohio Farm Bureau. She was joined by Supreme Court Justices Pat DeWine and Patrick Kennedy at a panel discussion at the recent Ag Day at the Capitol in Columbus, hosted by Ohio Farm Bureau. More from the panel coming up after this as our Ohio Weekly continues. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, Join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. 
safety in agriculture is a top priority, and the Ohio Bureau of Workers' Compensation has your safety needs covered with free safety consulting services, safety intervention grants, and training and education. Prevent workplace injuries and illnesses. Visit bwc.ohio.gov and click on safety services or call 866-569-7805 for more information. Ohio Bureau of Workers' Compensation, we've got you covered. Today, farmers and small businesses with employees continue to search for health coverage options. Ohio Farm Bureau Health Benefits Plan has teamed up with Anthem to offer businesses with 1 to 50 employees an opportunity to participate in a large, self-funded pool backed by Anthem. This health benefits plan offers competitive rates through a self-funded arrangement, fixed and predictable monthly payments, and a variety of plan designs, including deductible with coinsurance and high deductible plans. The OFB Health Benefits Plan uses Anthem's Healthcare Provider Network, one of the largest provider networks in the state. Your benefits package can affect employee satisfaction. With the Ohio Farm Bureau Health Benefits Plan, you get access to Anthem's industry-leading specialty plans, vision, life, disability, and more, in addition to medical plans. Plus, they're integrated for even more value. Visit OFBHealthBenefitsPlan.org for eligibility details and to receive your highly competitive quote today. That's OFBHealthBenefitsPlan.org, a self-funded medical plan for Ohio Farm Bureau members. Farm Bureau Bank has built its entire existence around the lifestyle and needs of farmers. They're here to help grow traditions, give back to agricultural communities, and offer financial convenience for your unique way of life. Visit FarmBureau.Bank or call one of their personal bankers today. 800-492-3276 to learn more. That's farmbureau.bank or 800-492-3276. From sun up to sundown, Farm Bureau Bank is committed to serving you. Guesswork may be great for trivia or a jar full of jelly beans, but for getting the right insurance coverage for your farm, not so much. Introducing the Ohio Farm Bureau Select Partners Program, an insurance and financial services program for Ohio's farming community. Select partner agencies specialize in the unique needs of agriculture, plus they're endorsed by local farmers like you. Achieve your strongest farm future at ohiofarmbureau.org slash selectpartners. You're listening to Our Ohio Weekly. I'm Ty Higgins, and this week, featuring a panel discussion held a couple of weeks ago at Ohio Farm Bureau's Ag Day at the Capitol with a couple of Ohio Supreme Court justices, Pat DeWine and Patrick Kennedy. Before the break, we talked about amicus briefs, uh, opinions from outside organizations about certain cases that come to the Supreme Court level. The justices talked about how input from organizations like Ohio Farm Bureau impact their decision from the bench. Justice DeWine. That's a great, I think, place to start, briefs and amicus briefs. So, so when we have a case, we're going to get a brief from each side. And each party is going to say why they think they should win, right? Uh, and that's what we do. We decide disputes between people. But when we make a decision, it applies not just to the two parties in front of us, but it's going to, every court in Ohio is going to have to apply that decision to different people. So the great thing about amicus briefs, when not like the Farm Bureau Files one, is they can point out that said something that says, you know, this is how it's going to affect every farmer in the state or every farmer, whatever, whoever it's going to affect. And so the parties don't really have an incentive to talk about how it affects other people. They're just going to talk about why they think they should win. So in some cases, it can be really helpful to have an amicus brief who, point, who points out and says, okay, it may, you know, if you rule this way, court, it's 
going to impact in this case, but it's also going to mean that for every property owner in the state of Ohio, X, Y, Z is going to happen, right? So that's going to be really helpful information. Uh, you know, and I, I, I think I actually wrote the opinion in that CAUV case. And uh, I remember, uh, re I mean, it, it was, I knew something about it just from my family's land, but I, I didn't understand how the process operated from beginning to end. So having that kind of overview, that kind of background from the Farm Bureau is very helpful when I wrote that opinion. I, I want to add one thing. Amicus briefs are very helpful because the standard about whether we take a case in, you know, the U.S. Supreme Court doesn't take every case. They have you know, tens of thousands of applicants and they take 70 cases. We have about 1,600 applications a year for a case. And we take in about 120 to 150, okay? But the amicus brief would also be helpful sometimes, not just on the merits of the case, but whether we should take the case in. Because the standard is, is, it, is the issue of constitutional dimension or of great public or, or statewide interest, general interest. And often, the parties, when they're writing their motions for jurisdiction is what it's called, again, as Justice DeWine would say, they don't care about everybody in the state. They just care about winning or losing. Parties just, they really don't care how they win or lose, to be honest with you. They just want to win or lose. Um, but the Mika's brief, especially on the motion for jurisdiction, is helpful because of that standard. Is it of great general or statewide general interest, public interest, or constitutional dimension? And how a ruling by us would affect the whole state not just these parties. So I think sometimes, you guys do it sometimes, mm -hmm, yep. I think uh, associations often, you, not you guys so much, because you guys submit a lot of them, but there's some associations that only submit amicus briefs on the merits. But if the case, if we didn't take the case in to start out with, you don't get, ever get the merit brief, you never get to it. So I think sometimes merit briefs on the motion for jurisdiction is almost as important, if not more so, than the mo on the merits sometimes. Mm -hmm. Leah, you mentioned CAUV. What are some other cases that uh, Ohio Farm Bureau has been involved in that resulted in good outcomes for our members? So I'll, I'll highlight two. We've had a lot over the years, but uh, a few years ago we had a case called Metamore Grain Elevator v. Fulton County. And so that was dealing with whether a grain bin was going to be taxed for property tax purposes. And silos generally are not, and, we, and that was clear in the law. But we had this kind of gray area where grain bins are, you know, kind of the same as silos, right? They're the same function. Uh, they're not permanent. And uh, we had a grain elevator that, that challenged that. They were able to win at the Board of Tax Appeals, but then it went on to the Ohio Supreme Court. Uh, and we were able to help with, when we do this, we talk with the attorneys throughout the whole process. And we kind of say, like, Here's what we think could be helpful. What do you think could be helpful? You know, we try to work together. And we were able to say to the attorney who was, he's not from a farm background, and we were able to say like, well, you know that there's a sales tax exemption for these grain bins, because we pay sales tax generally on personal property. That's a good argument maybe that it, you know, shouldn't be real property. And he was kind of like, 
oh, well, can, can you talk about that? Could you cover that for me, please? So, um, so we wrote a brief about you know, the importance of having a, a clear standard, making sure people understood at the county level, uh, and all that kind of background information. Grain bins are sold on the open market. They get taxed if you don't have a farm sales tax exemption. Uh, and eventually the outcome of the case was that grain bins are not taxed anymore on your tax bill. So, you know, for a normal grain bin, that might be $10 a year. A bigger one might be more. Um, but that's a savings you're going to see every single year on your tax bill going forward. Um, and then another case we got involved with, was, which was actually the U.S. Supreme Court, um, had to do with property rights. And I love what we're talking about here because we joke sometimes in my house that uh, eminent domain and private property rights are what, like, get, keep me up at night. Um, I'll, I'll sit up at night and think of something that I need to write down the next morning. Uh, and we got involved in the U.S. Supreme Court over the ability to take a eminent domain case to federal court. And it was really exciting. We got to go to the argument as well. It was the first time we as an organization had filed in a U.S. Supreme Court case. Uh, it ended up going out the way we wanted, that we can now take those cases to federal court. And even more exciting, if you're a nerd like me, is that uh, Chief Justice John Roberts wrote the opinion, and he cited... Ohio as a specific example, which he wouldn't know if he didn't read our brief. So I'm going to take that to mean he knew our brief. Uh, and he cited a specific case that is an Ohio case that he, he would not really know probably other than from our brief. So it was a very exciting uh, experience and really glad to see that decision. We can officially say you geeked out over that. There, there was a little bit of geeking out, I'll admit. That's Leah Curtis, Policy Counsel with Ohio Farm Bureau. More of our conversation with Justices DeWine and Fisher later this hour on Our Ohio Weekly. This is Our Ohio Weekly. For the Ohio Farm Bureau, I'm Ty Higgins. On this week's edition of To the Beat of Agriculture, we'll hear from the recipient of the Young Cattleman of the Year Award. We'll learn about his background, challenges the cattle industry faces, and his hopes for the future for growing his operation. My name is Zane Gross. Um, and I am currently the owner-operator of Buckeye Creek Angus, which is more of a part-time hobby farm at the moment. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. We run about 20 registered Angus cows annually. And then I also full-time, I work as the operations manager of ER Bull Ants Packing Company here in Ashland, Ohio. Um, and we specialize in, um, you know, beef, pork. We process and deliver primarily beef all across the state of Ohio. So I'm kind of just the day-to-day's operations manager. I grew up, you know, we lived out in the country. I was the youngest of four kids. I grew up with three older sisters. So my mom and my sisters got into some horses, had some horses, showed them at the fair, you know, just did stuff like that. That was basically it, no production agriculture. As I started growing up, you know, getting into high school, well, middle school and high school, you know, I did 4-H and then was involved with the FFA program. And that's kind of where my story kind of started in terms of production agriculture. My first year at the fair was like my seventh or eighth grade year. I took a market hog and a feeder calf. The hog thing didn't go real well. That was the last time I ever did anything with hogs. 
but the cattle wasn't too bad. So the next year I took that feeder calf as a steer and then had another feeder calf that year. I really took hold of the production side of things. You know, I was like, I can still feed a steer and still sell it for freezer beef or whatever. And I don't have to worry about halter breaking it and washing it and grooming it and things like that. I could, you know, I, but I could still do the parts that I enjoyed. I just kind of took it from there. I um, was able to get four heifers through some family friends who I ever bought and that kind of started my cow herd. After high school, I went to Ohio State ATI um, where I later transferred down to the main campus in Columbus and graduated with my bachelor's degree in animal science um, in a minor in ag business. And through those years, I really matured and learned a lot and really grew a passion for the beef side. At the same time in school, I was starting to kind of grow a small little herd at home with the help of my parents and stuff, obviously not being home all the time and kind of helped me with chores and stuff um, that really helped. So that's kind of how I got started, I guess. It was really just growing a passion through 4-H FFA and going to school and just learning a lot on my own just because I just grew a passion for it. I'm not the only one out there that probably asks themselves often, why, you know, why am I doing this? But, you know, I think it has to do with how I was raised. Yeah, whether it's, you know, God's grace that that's just, you know, this is what he wants me to do, you know, I think has a lot to do with it too. You know, there's really no explanation why, you know, just want to do it and get better at it. When I first started, Bullion's Packing did the processing. So I brought the cattle in, they were harvested and processed for the freezer beef that I had sold. And I just met met Bob Bullion's, the owner. I came by, he took me in the cooler and he pointed some things out, what I needed to work on, what I needed to change, how I could do better and stuff, which is cool now because now I'm working for him. So it's just pretty cool. Yeah, we run about 20 head of Angus cows, you know, with a full-time job and a family at home, my wife and uh, two kids. Um, definitely have my hands full. So kind of at the moment where we're at on the family farm, you know, 20 or so head, you know, definitely keeps us busy. But, uh, but yeah, a lot of different things that we're doing with the herd. You know, in school, I learned about, you know, artificial insemination, um, being able to utilize top Angus genetics through, you know, buying um, semen um, through, you know, ABS or select sires at a fraction of the cost. You know, if I wanted to go to a, a big production Angus sale out west or something and try to buy an Angus bull of this caliber, you know, I'm talking, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to buy one bull. Um, and, and that's really helped. I've seen a big difference just the past couple of years now that we've gotten the program down. Um, another thing is um, our, our grazing, you know, striving to get a lot better with our grazing and utilizing, um, you know, rotational grazing. It's taken some time, but over the past couple of years, you know, this past grazing season was one of our best. You know, a couple of years ago, a lot of Ohio farmers and I'm sure other states, we had a pretty dry year. Our hay wasn't, in terms of our yield, what it needed to be just due to low moisture. Um, so we struggled a little bit there, you know, and obviously if, you know, just because we didn't make a lot of hay, other guys didn't make a lot of hay, so it became hard to find good hay. So, you know, struggles like that, not having enough of the own crops that you raise and having to buy that can get costly. So I was awarded the Young Cattleman of the Year by the Ohio Cattlemen's Association. It was definitely a humbling experience. I was awarded this award because of things that I've done or I am doing that it, it, that it feels, you know, that the hard work has paid off some, you know, I've gained some attention, you know, makes me feel that, you know, the long days and long nights and weekends and, you know, all the different hours, no matter what the weather is outside, 
you know, has, you know, paid off and, you know, it means that I've, you know, definitely having some successes. So it, it means a lot. Right now I, I have uh, my wife, Courtney, and, uh, you know, two kids at the moment, you know, I would feel like I've, you know, succeeded when I'm, you know, 20, 30 years down the road, I'm able to work alongside my kids and, and see, you know, the, the operation grow, you know, and keep growing and succeeding and, and things like that um, would definitely uh, make me feel, you know, that we've succeeded and accomplished some things. We appreciate Zane for taking the time to share his story on our Ohio Weekly's To the Beat of Agriculture. Congratulations again on his Young Cattleman of the Year Award. This segment was produced by Wessler Media. Hear the latest podcast, Profiles. From Cedar Point to the Zanesville Animal Escape, Ohio is home to thrilling and terrifying stories. That's Profiles, P-R-O-H, Files. Download Profiles now wherever you get podcasts. Back after this on Our Ohio Weekly. Farmers are busy. You need business solutions from people who know farming. Introducing the Ohio Farm Bureau Select Partners Program, an insurance and financial services program for Ohio's farming community. Endorsed by farmers like you, Select Partners are committed to providing the best in consultative services to the agricultural community. Achieve your strongest farm future at ohiofarmbureau.org slash select partners. With more than 300,000 horses in Ohio, the economic impact of the equine industry in the state is valued at $2.8 billion. Much of that value comes from the standard bred horse owners, breeders, trainers, and drivers who participate in the sport of harness racing in the Buckeye State, all supported by the Ohio Harness Horsemen's Association. Since 1953, the mission of the OHHA is to preserve, protect, promote, and serve the entire standard bred industry in Ohio. Ohio and beyond. And the relationship between OHHA membership and Ohio's agriculture is undeniable. The farmers provide feed, bedding, and stables for the horses, and in turn those amazingly fast four-legged athletes provide a major draw to Ohio's county fairs, bringing revenue to our rural communities. OHHA membership has its privileges. Members reap the benefits of having a strong voice for shaping statewide policies, receive continuous industry education, and valuable information in OHHA newsletters and magazines. Check out OHHA.com to find out how the Ohio Harness Horsemen's Association is making great strides for you. That's OHHA.com. Ohio Farm Bureau has teamed up with Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Ohio to offer health insurance options, typically reserved for larger employers, to Ohio agribusinesses with 1 to 50 employees. The Ohio Farm Bureau Health Benefits Plan can provide you significant savings and quality health insurance benefits for your employees. For more information, eligibility, and competitive rates, visit OFBHealthBenefitsPlan.org or call 800-937-4567. Welcome back to Our Ohio Weekly. I'm Ty Higgins, and this week featuring a recent panel at Ag Day at the Capitol, hosted by Ohio Farm Bureau, with Supreme Court Justices Pat DeWine and Patrick Kennedy. I asked Justice DeWine why Supreme Court Justices at the federal level are nominated, but at the state level are elected. The reason judges are elected in Ohio actually goes back to 1851, which is when we have the Constitution that we have today was enacted. Uh, Before that, judges had been selected by the state legislature. And that actually caused a lot of controversy because there was a sense that judges were too beholden to the state legislature, did whatever the legislature wanted. People said, you know, we need to get away from that. So some people said, okay, let's go to the federal model. We'll have the executive branch, the governor, appoint judges. Other people said, no, you have the same problem. They'll be beholden to the governor. So the idea that ultimately won the debate was that we ought to have judges that are truly independent 
The only way to have judges who are truly independent is to have them selected not by another branch of government, but directly by you, the people. And so I think that's, I think that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good idea, pretty good in theory. Sometimes one of the challenges is that people don't know as much about judges as they'd like to. You can't hold people accountable if you don't know anything about them. Uh, but that's why I think it's important that we do things like this and talk about what we do and what our philosophy is. And I appreciate the chance to be able to do that today. New on the ballot this year, next to their names, is going to be an R or a D. It's the first time in Ohio that we've seen that happen. How do you feel about that? And you mentioned just now about running for office being a little bit different and having to walk a, a fine line, but now all of a sudden you're going to be categorized on that ballot. What's your opinion on that? I think it's a good thing. I mean, my, my philosophy is that the more information voters have, the better. Uh, the reality is, whether you like it or not, the Ohio Constitution ordains that judges are going to run in partisan primaries. So unless you change the Constitution, we're going to run in a Republican or a Democrat primary. And as long as you're going to do that, the question is, do we hide that fact from the voters, or do we tell voters that? And I think that uh, we, ought, we ought to err on the side of transparency and tell, and if someone's been endorsed by the Republican Party, put that on the ballot, just like you would in the other office. Now, I'm not saying voters should vote based on that. They can, they can do whatever they want with that. They can completely ignore it if they want. But uh, I just think that as long as we have a system where judges do get endorsed by political parties, there's no reason not to be transparent with voters about that. And, and I agree. I, I was president of the state bar, and they had two policies that to me were contradictory. I tried to get them to resolve it, and they didn't. One was they were opposed to an R&D behind the names, but they also wanted another major policy there is to get more people to vote for judges. And if you ever notice, the number of people that vote for judges is an undervote of like 20 to 30% compared to who vote for governor or president or senator. And I, we're going to see, finally, if I was correct, because I told him, I said, if you put an R&D behind their name, more people will vote. You might not like why they're voting, but more people will vote. And you know that independence that Justice DeWine mentioned earlier about being an independent person, it always felt good to me that millions of people voted for me. Even if somebody in front of me didn't vote for me, it gives me the feeling I have the authority of you, the people, to make a decision. And I'm independent, I don't know my, I don't know anything to anybody but the voters of Ohio, all of them. Thus, to have more people voting for judges, I think, is a positive thing. I think having more people vote, because then maybe people pay attention to us a little more. I mean, a lot of people on election day call up their friend that is a lawyer or somebody involved. Who do I vote for for judge? Because they don't know, <laughs> right? Well, it matters. I, in 2010, you mentioned my election. I think I won the election because I had a bunch of lawyers and friends on uh, email and Facebook saying, vote for Pat Fisher, because it was a very close election. But if you go and tell people, hey, vote for whomever for judge, the odds are your friends, people you know from church, synagogue, whatever, they're going to vote for that person, because they don't know. So it does matter, and judges do matter. If you, if you haven't noticed lately, <laughs> in the newspapers, a lot of cases are four to three. Judges matter. And they matter every day, whether it's statewide like us or the local judge. Think, think what a local judge does. 
Local judge decides if Janie or Johnny is with mom or dad over the weekend, custody fight. Sometimes they have to take a little child away from a mother or father because they're a drug addict. During COVID, many cases, the judges had to decide whether grandma or grandpa got taken off the ventilator. We have to decide death penalty cases. Does a person live or die? These are very important matters, I think, whether a law is constitutional, whatever. And I think getting more people to care about who their judges are is a good thing. And thus, I think the R&D is a very positive thing for the long-term best interests of the state. That's Ohio Supreme Court Justice Patrick Kennedy, joined by Justice Patrick DeWine at Ag Day at the Capitol with Ohio Farm Bureau last month. More of our conversation after this on Our Ohio Weekly. Safety in agriculture is a top priority, and the Ohio Bureau of Workers' Compensation has your safety needs covered with free safety consulting services, safety intervention grants, and training and education. Prevent workplace injuries and illnesses. Visit bwc.ohio.gov and click on Safety Services or call 866-569-7805 for more information. Ohio Bureau of Workers' Compensation, we've got you covered. Farm families like yours are growing their businesses to ensure their best farm futures. Farm Bureau helps your competitive advantage by advocating for members, connecting you to like-minded entrepreneurs, and providing you with insights and business solutions to grow your bottom line. Add to that health care benefits, financial and insurance needs, market intel, and legislative, regulatory, legal risk management tools, and it's easy to see how Farm Bureau is feeding your need for new ideas. Renew your membership or become a member today. Learn more at OhioFarmBureau.org. Your projects are a big deal, so use equipment that can get the job done. CAT equipment sets the standard for the industry. The CAT product line includes more than 300 machines to handle a wide variety of duties. Ohio Farm Bureau members can save up to $5,000 when buying or leasing qualifying CAT equipment, plus a $250 credit on select work tool attachments. Learn more by visiting OFBF.org savings and click on the Caterpillar logo. Limitations and restrictions apply. Guesswork may be great for trivia or a jar full of jelly beans, but for getting the right insurance coverage for your farm, not so much. Introducing the Ohio Farm Bureau Select Partners Program, an insurance and financial services program for Ohio's farming community. Select partner agencies specialize in the unique needs of agriculture, plus they're endorsed by local farmers like you. Achieve your strongest farm future at ohiofarmbureau.org slash selectpartners. Farm Bureau Bank has built its entire existence around the lifestyle and needs of farmers. They're here to help grow traditions, give back to agricultural communities, and offer financial convenience for your unique way of life. Visit farmbureau.bank or call one of their personal bankers today, 800-492-3276 to learn more. That's farmbureau.bank or 800-492-3276. From sunup to sundown, Farm Bureau Bank is committed to serving you. Case IH is a proud supporter of Ohio Farm Bureau. And thanks to a membership benefits partnership, Ohio Farm Bureau members receive a discount of up to $500 on every qualifying Case IH tractor and piece of equipment you purchase. This discount may be used with other promotions, rebates, or offers. So join Ohio Farm Bureau and pocket up to $500 in savings. Get your discount at OFBF.org. That's OFBF.org. 
With more than 300,000 horses in Ohio, the economic impact of the equine industry in the state is valued at $2.8 billion. Much of that value comes from the standard bred horse owners, breeders, trainers, and drivers who participate in the sport of harness racing in the Buckeye State, all supported by the Ohio Harness Horsemen's Association. Since 1953, the mission of the OHHA is to preserve, protect, promote, and serve the entire standard bred industry in Ohio and beyond. And the relationship between OHHA membership and Ohio's agriculture is undeniable. The farmers provide feed, bedding, and stables for the horses, and in turn those amazingly fast four-legged athletes provide a major draw to Ohio's county fairs, bringing revenue to our rural communities. OHHA membership has its privileges. Members reap the benefits of having a strong voice for shaping statewide policies, receive continuous industry education, and valuable information in OHHA newsletters and magazines. Check out OHHA.com to find out how the Ohio Harness Horsemen's Association is making great strides for you. That's OHHA.com. Thank you for listening to Our Ohio Weekly. I'm Ty Higgins. It is not every day you get a host a panel of Ohio Supreme Court justices. I had that honor a couple of weeks ago at Ohio Farm Bureau's Ag Day at the Capitol. Visited with Supreme Court Justices Pat DeWine and Patrick Fisher. A room full of Ohio Farm Bureau members got to hear from the justices, and it maybe got them a little bit more interested in the backgrounds of Supreme Court justices. Of course, being elected officials, doing your homework is very important. So I asked Justices DeWine and Kennedy how to go about researching Supreme Court justices that are on the ballot later this year. Well, you, <laughs> at first I'd say you can read the opinions, uh, but like the redistricting one was 146 pages. <laughs> Not exactly, unless you really want to go to sleep at night. <laughs> it could probably be helpful to you. But I think ask your friends that are lawyers Ask your friends who are involved. Ask, uh, you can look up uh, Ohio, or what's it, judges count? Judicial votes count. Ju judicial yeah. votes count, gives some background information, and can also lead you to our websites. Um, judicial votes count. And, you know, for years, the bar associations used to endorse or not endorse. They don't do that that much anymore. But talk to lawyers. They, they will know. Your friends will know and ask them. And I, I think, and associations like this, to be honest, uh, will also help because it, while technically you know more about what we think than any member of the political branch, because we have to put it in writing, it's very technical, uh, reading those things are not necessarily a fun thing to do every day. Uh, but I would ask people who would know and they will tell you. And I think that's, that's a pretty good endorsement. Justice DeWine, your advice. Yeah, I, I think all those things Justice Fisher said, I mean, you know, and I, I think wherever you go with between those places is, I would think you would care most about the judicial philosophy of the judge. Uh, you know, you have to ask yourself, you know, do you want a judge who's going, who says they're a textualist, who says they're gonna apply the laws that's written? Or do you think judges, judges should be uh, more expansive in their powers and you know, look at things like, okay, what should the law be? Uh, do they believe in a living constitution? And I think it really depends, you know, you have to ask yourself those questions of, you know, what kind of judge do you want? Do you want a judge who's gonna apply the laws that's written or do you want a judge who says, I think it's within our province to make the law and then go read the judicial philosophies that you hear, bring those sources, judges and see them. Fit your philosophy closest. 
Justice Fisher, Justice DeWine, Leah Curtis. Let's give them a round of applause and show them our appreciation for being with us this afternoon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Joined by Jane Peterson. She is president of Ohio Commercial Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield. Jane, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Ty. Happy to be here. So Anthem and Ohio Farm Bureau have a, a great relationship, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but who is Anthem to start? Well, first and foremost, we are your neighbors. We have about 4,000 associates that live across the state. They live and work here in Ohio. Anthem's also been in Ohio since 1939, so serving Ohioans from a health insurance perspective for over 82 years, which obviously is a very long time. Um, we're committed to building healthier lives and communities here in Ohio, and you know that this includes things like making sure members have access to affordable health care, and we also get involved in local charities and communities, and that's through our charitable foundation as well as the associates volunteering you know, thousands of hours every single year. And it also means addressing social drivers of health, like having access to healthy food. How does the Ohio Farm Bureau and Anthem Partnership work? Yeah, so the Ohio Farm Bureau Health Plan was built specifically for agricultural community, and it's called a MIWA plan, and what that basically means or what that basically allows is for groups to join together to purchase health insurance. This allows us to offer benefit-rich health plans at a more affordable rate than many, many would otherwise have access to, and this also allows for much greater rate stability for these plans. And Ohio Small Business Tied to Agriculture has access to, to these plans. So you can go to the Ohio Farm Bureau website at OFBF.org and navigate to membership benefits for more information. What are the benefits of choosing an Ohio Farm Bureau plan? Um, first of all, there are more competitive premium rates. We also have predictive fixed monthly payments. Employers also have choice and flexibility around plan types and options. And Anthem also offers a nationwide, very large doctor and hospital network. In addition, and finally, protection of being part of a large self-funded pool backed by Anthem. Jane Peterson is president of Ohio Commercial Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield. Really appreciate the information. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Our Ohio Weekly is supported by Nationwide. Nationwide is on your side. And produced by Ohio Farm Bureau working together for Ohio farmers to advance agriculture and strengthen our communities. Be sure to visit Our Ohio Weekly's podcast page to listen to previous episodes at ofbf.org slash Our Ohio Weekly. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. I'm Ty Higgins. We'll see you down the road. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.